for some weird reason on here, it like turns itself off. Ah, I see. Right, so welcome back. It's been yeah. a while. Since been the last while. podcast, I think it's been Ooh. months. Months. It's definitely. I featured in the first episode of your second season of the of your podcast. So yes, now I'm in another one. You're in another one. Oh, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of things have happened over the past months, and oh, oh, can I just say the short trips we're doing at the moment? I absolutely love. <laughs> Thank you. This is the first script where I literally go into psychological manipulation. Mm. And I just, I like, I love how you just turn up and I'm like, uh, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, okay, I have something to do, like, walks out the hallway later on. Oh, oh, okay. Right, this is happening now. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's also a little nod to the upcoming future of Cyber War Audios with Cardinal Olistra, who shall appear in many, many works, including her own spin-off series. I will not go further into details, but I really enjoyed writing this script. And I'm, and, and it I'm, was happy, I'm happy to your response the other day when I asked about uh, writing for it, because it's just... I know I've already written, I've already written and I've still got to write another one for you. But as soon as I saw the Alistra series, I was like, I love that character. I really want to write for them. And the voice actress has one of the most iconic voices of, I think, everyone in the cast. Damn. And you can slightly hear the... In her performance, at least I hear it because I've listened to all the War Doctor series except the ones with Jonathan Carley. Mm. Um, she does sometimes have this little Jacqueline Pierce moment when she plays Alistra, which is really, really nice. Quick question, though, not yes. to like ponder too much on Hourglass, but are you still in Hourglass or? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm uh, still in there. Right, so I'm not going to ponder too much on that. I have found out why I'm not in there, but it is for a very stupid reason and something to do with my past I'm really not going to go into. But let's just say someone said something. It's not true, but I haven't even been allowed to, like, state my case. Yeah, explain yourself. Yeah, we, so. I had a talk with our producer when it, when this whole thing came out in Cyber War Audios, because, you know, I'm a, I usually stay a neutral party to this. We weren't going to throw you out. We were just wondering what to do with this information. And we said, eh, let's leave it. Hmm. Well, because the thing is, like, as like, I'm glad that you haven't kicked me out because I absolutely love working for you. And as it is, like, it's... Like, Leo and all that in the TARDIS crew are trying to figure it out as well, because, right, should we bring up a bit of what it is? Just just to get it out there. Just well, to, like, this, is your, this is your podcast, so go for it. Right, so, right, Harry, an old friend of mine, mm-hmm. told a little bit of a rumour saying that 
I stalk him, which doesn't make sense because I don't see him at all. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you can't stalk someone you don't see. And then he, he also tried to chuck in there as well that I say the N-word, which is absolutely ridiculous as it's the one word I prohibit at all and do not like. Uh, but yeah, basically he was trying to say to the uh, Hourglass group that I stalk him, which for one, right, there's two ways to put it, right? One, I don't see him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And two... I can't help if I have to go shopping on the same high street he lives. <laughs> yeah. It's one high street away. Yeah. I just have to go there because it's the it's the closest place to get food. So he's tried to chuck that in there and oh it's ridiculous. I haven't been allowed to state my case. And the thing is I don't want to drag it out. So I'm gonna be the better person about it. And if they don't let me back into the group. I'll just I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing with your group because yeah. I mean it's not the end of the world. It's just it's just slightly annoying because I was away for a week, then come back, goes onto hourglass and then I can't get onto the server. I'm happy that um our cast members because some of them are from hourglass, like the one who plays Alistra, mm. that they don't have a problem with working with you. So Yeah. Because basically, with you, it's not so bad as what was going on with James Dreyfus. He just went out public online with his thoughts. Oh, yeah. That they were forced to get rid of him. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm is... not protecting James Dreyfus, but he said oh, on yeah. the internet is terrible. It's true. I mean, the internet is just one of those annoying places where, like, you say something in the past and people drag it out. And like it's like the reason why i'm trying to get it open air of the moment about this whole thing what i was just saying to you about hourglass because the simple fact is i will not stand and let someone ridicule about something if the people that are protected or uh taking their side have proof very true it's like a court case you can't go into a court uh, accuse someone or something and not have proof like that's just that's not justice that's just listening to one side of the argument but yeah stepping away from that I uh, as I said to you the other day mm-hmm. the script you gave me really gave me an idea of cannibals which I told you I listened to and mm-hmm. uh the simple version of what happens in Cannibals is there's a bunch of robots. Mm-hmm. They were all programmed to work at... Right. I would explain it a bit like the 12th Doctor's story, Smile. You know, the oh. one with all the emojis. Right. Yeah, it's a bit emoji like bots. Right. It's a bit like that. The human to look after the place. Um, in Cannibals, both factions of robots uh, end up how would I put it separating yeah separating into their own uh individual groups yep and mm-hmm. uh one group loves humans absolutely adores them wants to build stuff for them because that's in their programming and ironically in the same group one of them can make 
poetry from binary. Oh. In the other group, uh, they just want to absolutely wreck the place. Their programming's all over the place. They think that humans uh, should be destroyed. And they also even attack the uh, the nice robots. Uh, the doctor sounds like and... that. Um, yep. Sounds slightly like that. Um, there was this Will Smith movie where, where he was in the future, where the robots were helping out with everything. Now, I will sound like a total person who's only watched sci-fi movies and afraid of robots. I'm going to talk in this. In other words, I'd like to say that I'm not with people who are agreeing to the development of robots, mostly because everyone assures that, oh, the robots will help us, nothing bad will happen, there won't be a revolution. There doesn't need to be a robot revolution. It's enough that we that someone with a level five computer knowledge creates a virus which just goes into the robot's head. And we all know that antiviruses work for a time until the virus just rips it open. I absolutely agree with you on that one, especially as it's been proven through history, regardless of something like a robot, it's been proven over the years that people have been able to hack into stuff, control uh, buildings and projectors. I'm sorry, if people can do that, people can make a, a robot go rogue. At this point, they say, oh, let's conser- let's save the planet. Let's do this. Let's do that. In the end, the planet will end up like, like, the, like what it looked like in WALL-E. I was going to say Orphan 55, but both are very similar. Yes. Oh. Uh. Poor Wally, though, man. <laughs> Wait, but does that mean become lazy? <laughs> We're already becoming lazy. <laughs> so true. It's very visible on everyone. It is so visible, and it, every time I watch back at films like Wally, I do like laugh and think they on the head. <laughs> that yeah, is exactly true. what humans have become. I think that Wally was mostly made to warn people about what will happen. Not because I'm not against technology. Technology is mm. very useful. But sometimes when we get over enamored with it, it will it could ruin our lives potentially. You look at the t- look at teenagers today. I myself as a teenager, true, I mostly on my phone or on my laptop. But on my phone, I'm only for entertainment or when I want to call someone. On my laptop, yeah. work stuff. But for teenagers, you take a phone away, they show a fit, then they start bargaining. They go through five stages of depression at one time. It's so true, and it's like, like I haven't always had a phone. This is the thing that makes me laugh when I hear younger kids go, uh, go, oh, I don't know how my grandma, I don't know how my grandpa did it without phones. And there's me going, I'm not that they old, did. but I can they... remember not needing a phone yeah. and not I th- like being obsessed with one. I think that they're slightly inc- the children are slightly incorrect. They did have phones, but they were used for calling. Exactly. They were used for calling. They were used for communication. They were not used for things like uh I, I I'm it's horrible for me to use this as an excuse, but uh Minecraft or uh Snapchat or oh um 
what's someone doing on Facebook this weekend? No, oh, it was yeah. all just... It's like, I remember the first game I actually ever played on a phone wasn't even like a proper, proper game. But like people nowadays would be laughing at me if they went back in time and saw me playing on the game. It was literally just a game where you had to climb up a ladder and jump for gems. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it was just it was just for communication. <laughs> the first game I ever played on the phone... It was like the very old iPhones, like the beginnings, iPhone fives mm. and everything. The first game I ever played was um, Angry Birds, the original. Oh, Angry Birds! Those, yes, those were the days. I do not those like what were. Rovio did now because they do, they got rid of Angry Birds Epic, Angry Birds Space, Angry Birds Star Wars is barely holding up at this point. Not Angry Birds Star Wars. That's literally mm. right. My my parents barely got me out of a store with that one. I can tell you a story now. I was in a store and like the Angry Birds app had just come out on one like one of the tablets, and I'm standing in the store playing Angry Birds Star Wars, yeah. and my parents keep coming over to me and go, "Come on, Lewis, we're done. We've got to get out of the store." I'm like, "No, I've got to destroy this." Oh, I remember when you could just walk into a phone, tablet, computer, whatever, electronic shop. You could mm. just sit down in front of the tablet and play games. Today, you can't do any of that. No. I mean, you can still play games, but those games are like you can only play one level and then you have to buy the whole tablet to get it. Exactly. It's just... I... Yeah. Oh, things... I've listened to War Master Killing Time by Big Finish. And I've got to say, I don't care if people call it mediocre. It is good. It is, in my opinion, way better than Hearts of Darkness. As this is the master trying to manipulate an empire. But he also found an opponent who knows the empire system better, so she gets higher to the top. But oh, the master won't have it. This gives me Master and Rani vibes. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I'm smarter than you. No, I've been here longer. Yeah, I've actually, I actually, in series six of Master, uh, it's I believe it's called Master Escapades in Time. It's yeah. this short period of time where the Cyber War Master, played by me, uh, takes a break from fighting in the Cyber Wars. I say fighting, it's mostly him just randomly going on missions or trying to fulfill his own purpose. And plans. You're like you're like that one person that like just everyone has to deal with. You're like, hi, I'm a, you know, I don't like any of you. I've been sent on this mission. It's literally like a Suicide Squad thing with you. Like you've got no choice, and you're like, uh, oh, you know, I I could help you guys, but I think you guys have got this. I've realized, as much as he denies it, is very involved with helping the Time Lords at this point. Oh yeah. So and the that... best part, the best part is he doesn't get angry when he fights in the war. He's just calm in everything. I think you can confirm after listening to him. Yes, I mean the 
the thing is, it's like that's the difference between your master and people like the the war doctor. The war doctor's like moaning every two seconds. I'm still stuck in a wall. I will not help you. Yes. While my master just goes, ah, oh, the hell with it. Let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what else and the funny there? part is, I, I don't think my master is a psychopath because he he doesn't kill for the sake of killing. He kills when he I needs mean, to. It's not that you're not. I don't, I, right, I feel mean if I say that he is, but he's like, he's like the logical psycho. He, like, knows what he's doing, and he knows that, like, if he just goes around being an absolute, like, madness all the time, it's it, it it's not as satisfying. It's like, uh, how would I describe it? It's like chocolate, right? That's the only way I can describe this. It's really yeah. bad to describe it like this, but it's like chocolate. When you eat chocolate, if you eat it all at once, you don't, like, appreciate the taste. Yeah. I... T- I take inspiration from three incarnations of the master when I play mine. Although the calmness, I have no idea where it's from. Uh, Sometimes I hope people can hear, but there's a little bit of Roger Delgado in my master when he's very, well, I call it charming, but it's mostly me just going, oh, how are you? Oh, did you get, did you give birth? Oh. How sad was the funeral? Nice. And then there's the um, the war master where he's more logical and has a plan for most of the things. Hmm. The funny part is about my master is that he knows most of what the future will bring, so that's why he's always so many steps ahead of people. I don't know. So three, but the person he recruits, he kills them in the end because he knows what that what that being will do. I think I'm midway through that one. I'll have to check. Right. It's like... the hourglass. Yeah, I might have. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll check on it later to uh, confirm with you. I yeah. think I have been listening to that one. Yeah. Yeah, but I uh, as. I listen to some of the old episodes I've made, and when I compare them to the new ones, I think the new ones are slightly better because I'm better with sound effects, and I add more music to it. I absolutely agree with you on that one. I do like what you've done, but I can so see from the new ones and what you've already done, the improvement. Yeah. It's like... um, as I said, yeah. when I started off, like, even me and myself, I can admit, when I started off trying to do audios, I used a kettle. A kettle of all things. And then I ended up, like, and then I realised how much um, free sound I could get. And I was like, ooh, I could make things a bit more atmospheric. I can get some music in to add tension. Yeah. Now... I found some displeasement with the Cyber War Doctor because I play both the Cyber War Master and the Cyber War Doctor. Yeah. And in Series 2 of the Cyber War, Ma- Cyber War Doctor, well, sorry, I made a mistake. Uh, we find out why the Master and the Doctor look exactly the same. 
except when I play the doctor, I have my normal accent and voice. But when I think there's a difference when you listen to my master and then to my normal voice, because the master has this sometimes higher tonation of voice and then the, a lower tonation when he gets angry. Yes, and what I was also going to bring up is a bit like what you were saying earlier about the Delgado. I think I've found that with everyone I've ever heard play the master. They've got like, it's like a slight, it's it's not the exact character of Delgado, but like it's still like the whole, um, oh, what's the word for it? I'm trying to think the word to describe it. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I can't describe it, but it's just, it's, it's like this, uh, it's just that, that's what his tone, it's like the tone of how, like, Delgado would perform things. Yeah. And people have, because people were, like, because Delgado's so popular, um, to a range of people, like, people pick up that tone and bring it into the character. Mm-hmm. My favourite line was, my dear Miss Grant, I hope I haven't hurt you. And the, Funny thing is that um, when I was listening to Masterful, which I found that not a lot of people like. I love that. Masterful is chaotic, but it's chaotic on purpose because it's the master. Chaos has to happen. It must happen. And I love because it was also 50 years of since Joe Grant appeared. And I love how Katie Manning just went into impersonating Roger Delgado, which was... Oh I'm yeah, thinking. that was funny. Just yeah. like she's she's turned up in the room. She's gone that evil man. My dearest Grant, I hope I am not much. Oh no, I think no, I think it was. Oh, do forgive me, Miss Grant, and then something, something. I, I just, don't I just, have the memory for all of this. I don't, but I I I do absolutely just love though how. It's that two sec. It's like that couple of seconds of her going on about like what uh, Roger Delgado's master did, and the reason mm-hmm. why he's not there. And then like she turns around and realizes that all the masters <laughs> are prepared to kill her. Yeah. Why? Why don't you lay down? It's okay, Miss Grant. <laughs> and then D- Derek Jacobi. That's <laughs> and then Derek Jacobi just going. I'll get rid of the forks, but I'll keep the knives. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had that. I had that so perfectly imagined in my head. That's that's one of the things that I've got to be honest. I know that would most really be hard for them to animate, but if they had have animated something like that, you can just imagine how it would be. Just got yeah. Joe on the table and like a circle of knives. Mm-hmm. No, I enjoy Derek Jacobi's incarnation and all of this because mm. the funny part is he wasn't true. He brought attention to him because he is, according to the fandom wiki page, the main voice actor for the master because coincidentally, he is the first incarnation of the master to get his own spin-off series on Big Finish. The second being uh, Michelle Gomez and then Eric Roberts. I still love, though, uh, the... I don't know if she's telling the truth or not in that episode, but when Michelle goes to uh, Joe's... Um, to Katie Manning's character, goes, 
uh, yeah, you know Time Lords can speed read, right? And, like, Joe's like, are you telling the truth? Like, you just lied to make me feel good. Well, when I kind of believe that what Missy said is true. Yeah. Because the Time Lords are an advanced civilization. And when you listen to the audios, they only look for at a small moment of the hologram reports and then go, oh, so that's what happened. And just split seconds. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you on that one because, like, I, I just, I was just questioning it at first because I just, I just thought it was just the way she done it. It was, it, it just gave me the same vibes a bit, like on the cliff when um, she's taking the mick out of Joe and going, "I'm not the doctor. I don't help people." Now we all know that's not true. That is, yeah. Except yeah. she does prove that she doesn't like Joe by pushing her off at, to her death. Sorry for the spoilers, anyone who hasn't listened to Masterful yet. Yeah, but that's what happens. And uh, Chameleon uh, impersonates most of it, the third Doctor. Is that what you would like me to do? Joe! Joe, it's me! It's the Doctor! Yeah. Is it really you? I mean... I, I know I know I know like she's that sweet character, but I just found that kind of funny and ironic that like mm. she's asking a robot if it's really the doctor. Well she well her character for the most part, no disrespect to Katie Manning, but she always played her as a little bit na- naive, so Yeah, very naive. A bit like the time when she walks into the lab and uh the doctor ends up with his uh, chameleon circuit on fire, and she grabs the fire. Not chameleon circuit, dematerialization. Oh, deep. Sorry, it's that one. Ah, oh, I'm always yeah. forgetting which one it is. Uh, yeah, the dematerialization circuit, and um, she just gets the fire extinguisher. He's like, "You bumfold idiot! <laughs> what have I done? It always creates more smoke than fire." <laughs> yes. Yeah. I still think that Tom Baker is a good actor for the mm. Doctor. Yes. But in my opinion, John Pertwee is the best classical Doctor of them all. Oh, I've got a debate with that. I really like, um, I really like, uh, what's his name? I really like Patrick Troughton and William <laughs> I I have respect for all of them. The fifth doctor is one of my favorite doctors, but um if I was to go through all the doctors who are my favorites, the first place would be the war doctor because not only after listening to a series on Big Finish which just cemented my belief in in him being the best doctor, also the way that John Hurt's play plays him, it's just oh, beautiful. talking of that, I've still got some more to listen to. Of the War Doctor, because there's uh, the new ones, isn't there? The one with the uh, new voice actor. Yeah, Jonathan Carley. Jonathan Carley, you have done him well. I feel a little bit unhinged when it comes to Jonathan Carley's performance, because there are moments where his voice slightly shifts off Mm. from the John Hurd voice. Did I bring up the other time we were talking how... Uh, Liz Sladen's daughter does not always sound like Liz. Yes, we've already had that talk. Oh, okay. 
because that was that that really did that really did annoy me, especially after knowing that I'd listened to um, what was it, Return of the Cybermen or something, and I was like, why? I've recently been going through the Big Finish page, and I have found that Elizabeth Sladen did have her own Sarah Jane adventures away from her crew on Big Finish. There was a bit where she was in a... uh, The last one I was listening to, she was in a bank, I think. And it was like... it, It just proved that Liz had to move from place to place before she ever got to Bannerman Road. Mm-hmm. And you do feel, I mean, you kind of do feel a little bit bad for her there because you're like, I know you're a reporter. I know you've got to go into dangerous scenarios, but that has got to be one horrible life to be living before you actually get to the stage where you can settle somewhere and no one knows you. Yeah. Uh, what else? I've really, uh, I, I, uh, I, I don't know how you are on it, but I like the class audios. Oh, I haven't listened to the class audios, but um, the only episode with class I really liked was the was the first episode. I'm so happy that Peter Capaldi appeared in the spinoff. Mm. I'm slightly sad to hear that he's not that he will refuse to appear on the 60th anniversary. I am as well. I was so annoyed with that. I'm thinking, you did so well. I know you want to move on, but come on, it's not it's not dragging you into the role for long. It's just for, like, yeah. a, a one-off or maybe, like, a future one-off again. They're not saying to you, hey, come along, we've got a contract, we want you to be the Doctor again. It's more hey, we love your character, you did really well, would you mind just stepping in for like a couple of hours in an episode or something? Oh. And I also feel sad because when you listen to him talk about Doctor Who, he says that he loves the doctor and he loved playing him. But when he talks about it, like that he's glad he's not on Doctor Who anymore, it just sounds like like it was a chore for him, which is yeah, sad. It, which is bad because like he was so beloved after like once people really got to know him as the doctor. Series I, 10 was the best series. It was the combination of series yep, eight and yep, nine. Hands down, hands down. <laughs> Yes, because series eight and nine, they were, they weren't horrible. I like the introduction of Davros in series nine, but it's just some parts of the plot lines with some of the episodes really, really, honestly needed something more because they were a story arc within themselves, and the story arc just was dragging. That's why when Bill came along and uh, Matt Lucas's Nardole, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's 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 fresh, it's new, it's what he needed. Yes, instead of dragging along Clara Oswald, who I still dislike to this day. I just the thing is, I loved her at first. I I really honestly wish they'd just stuck with Victorian Clara. Yeah, everyone then, always says that Victorian Clara was the best Clara. Yes, honestly, I I mean yes, she worked too bad in 
spells of St. John, but at the same time, she was a bit too much of, hi, I'm going to be cheeky and basically flirt with the Doctor for a season, and then when he changes face, I'm going to be an absolutely miserable person. Yes, trying to become him. Which the, I think that the twelfth Doctor, sorry for interrupting, oh, that's all right. did did notice that Clara was changing, and I yes. think that's why he stopped taking her. You could see that throughout series nine, he tries to avoid danger with her at all costs, and those looks he gives when she tries to be like him, he just it's he like, knows something's off. I know it's like watching your own child try to be you. And you know, you you want your child to achieve their dreams, but at the same time, you don't want them to get hurt in the process. Very true. I, I if I have a child, mm. if it tries to even be like me, I'll tell my child to be themselves. I, yes. am, I am a person who's troubled most of the time. I'm not talking troubled in a psychotic way. I'm saying troubled as I'm very tired and I'm not always there for people when I need to be, but um... I can I can honestly relate because the thing is you some people in this world can always be there for people. They can always be on someone's shoulder. They they Very true. They, they they are I don't want to say they obsess, but they 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 turn it into the normal when it's not really it's you got to be yourself. You've got to make your own decisions. Yes, you, you can look out for people, but you don't have to do it all the time. Yes, true. I think that um, I have an opinion about acting, which people will not agree with me, but um, acting is a way to escape. For a moment, you just escape being yourself to play this character that is either wonderful or not. It's just another universe, another person. You see mm. the whole script and film, even if it's an audio drama, through the eyes of your character. You don't need to be a good actor, a great actor, or a bad actor. It's enough that you enjoy what you do. I agree completely with what you say, and now I'm going to use my version of what I believe an actor is. Right. When I was in school, no one understood my acting in a sense because they don't understand. When I was doing acting, it's a bit like I think the um, one of the practitioners they pointed out is Artoed and uh, Brecht. And Artoed is cruelty and Brecht is reality, if I'm right. Please, anyone out there, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. But when I did acting drama, I... I, I did escape with certain characters from my real life and then other elements from other projects I was given, I would get pieces, uh, fragments, people might even say, of my life and things I've and I would project that into my character. Yet everyone else would see it as me just being an absolute, um, how would I put it, just, I don't know, melodramatic person but they didn't understand sometimes when I had emotion or I was playing a character that needed to be upset or sad or uh, traumatically disturbed 
I was actually using my own experiences. Yes, what you bring into your acting is what you know. The if I become a voice actor, like to create, if they ever like Stitch dies or has died, I'm up for anything because I oh. do have a Stitch voice when I want to. Right, if you're going for Stitch, Yoda, Yoda, Yoda voice actor out there. Uh, what's, what's another one? Uh, there's lots of yeah. voices I've tried to do. Also, I know this is a lot of self-promotion, but what else am I going to do today? Uh, yeah. But Cyber War Audios, when I created it, first of all, it's a non-profit organization. Cyber War Audios has been created to do what you love. Act! write, compose, anything. It's what you love. I don't care if you're non-binary or any kind of gender or any kind of skin color. If you like what you do, just do it. Cyber War Audios has been created just for that. I, I, love, I love how you've done it in such a advert tone. <laughs> oh, thank you. Absolutely brilliant right there. So you guys heard him. Casting calls, do it through our Instagram, DM us. Someone yeah. will respond eventually. Eventually. We're out there. You just need to find us. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, but it's like I, I, I've got to be honest, I think that's the one thing I found very common in Amino, where I get a lot of my voice actors. A lot of the youngsters and a lot of, uh, well, not even just the youngsters, anyone that I seem to get come up on the casting um, thing asking about a role, they're very self-conscious and very nervous because they don't, they're worried about not being accepted. And I do understand where the fear comes from because you can go with certain, uh, you can like, um, a bit like when I was doing Kato and other like projects, you can go and ask someone about a certain role and some people like what you've done with uh, Cyber War Audios, but other people can be very, uh, I don't want to say maniacal, but very mean and uh, vindictive when it comes it's to... Critical. Yeah, very critical when it comes to tr- like trying to help someone for a role. They'll expect so much, but they're not giving back as much as what, like... They're not giving much back in support wise, which you need to do because if your voice actors and uh, the people you want to do your project aren't. I'm going to have to interrupt you for a moment because I need to leave the room for a second. So I'll be right back. That's absolutely okay. And now, whilst. uh, we're here. Let's get some. Oh, oh, come on, password. Let's have some music vibes.
And I'm back. Hello, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. I totally agree with what you said before. Oh, yeah. I think you, from your own experience, you could say that I have never said anything bad. I could have made a comment just to correct someone, but I've never said anything bad. Like, oh, you suck at acting or, oh, oh yeah. you're terrible. Talking of that, I can uh, I can now bring up another personal experience. Right. When I was in school, there was a good drama teacher. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. But I got into an argument with her over something that some people may class as minor, but to me was very uh, hurtful. Right. So I, I auditioned for a play and I felt great when I found out they were going to give me the role. But they said, if you're going to be a part of this production, you must be here every week without, uh, uh, unless you've got like a legit reason why you cannot attend. So I was there every week. Weeks go on. The role starts changing. So I think to myself, okay, a bit off. You said you only change roles if the person's not there. Mm-hmm. So then a few more turns up. So a legit reason why I can't be at one of the uh, rehearsals. Uh, and then I come back and find my role's been changed. I end up having a big uh, hit or something can, like walking out. And then she called, uh, then they call me back. We go back in the school. My mum's there. We sit down. We have a talk with this teacher over the role and whether I still want to be in the production. I refuse to stay in the production only for the simple fact is I do not believe that you should give me a minor role, yeah, and still expect me to respect you if you're going to constantly keep on changing it. When you know I have to learn those lines. Yeah. I have to learn the lines that you've given me. It's confusing. With voice it's confusing. acting, it's easier because you don't need to memorize it. You just learn oh, no. what's on the page. But when it comes exactly. to acting on stage, real life, you have to remember this. Walk or I, What I always did was walk around the room, close my eyes after reading and try to repeat the exact same thing. I, uh, <laughs> talking of that, to some of the lines for drama, I, uh, I actually was walking backwards. <laughs> Here's a funny story. I was walking backwards because they said that helps with lines. And I walked backwards into a door and one of, uh, and then I ended up like hitting the door, and because the door's a handle, so you have to push or pull it. Uh, one of the girls down the hallway shouted, "It's a pull! You need to pull the door!" <laughs> and I went, "I know, I know what I'm doing." Interesting. Even I hit into the door anyway, and I was like, "Fine, I know exactly what I did." I, and then I, I, I even had the cheat to go. I did that on purpose. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. The thing I'd like to also mention about when it comes to acting on stage is that 
the people you work with, they're either nice or they're oh, not yeah. nice. But in the end, you have to deal with them because you're working with them. True, you may not like the experience, but as long as you do a good job and they do a decent or also good job, it's okay. If they like the production, true, the person may not be likable, but what mm. are you going to do? Exactly. The It's like if I ever get to sit down with a certain group of individuals again, at any point in my life i do want to like i want to be able to tell them the truth of one of the times i got really annoyed and it wasn't that i was annoyed at them they just couldn't i mean one of them could obviously figure out that i was going through a lot at the time but the rest of them i i i hope i did not come off at the end like i hated them all because i didn't i didn't i didn't hate them I just struggled to work with them because of the fact that one of them expected me to share all my ideas all the time and um, stand in certain spots or walk at certain paces. And yes, I got used to that. I understood that you need to know the directions and the, uh, the adjustments you might need to make if you're on stage. It was just so frustrating sometimes when you'd be given something like uh, a prop, for instance, and they would put it on one side of the stage. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need it there. Please, if I ever work with anyone in future, do not put something and like leave it there and then have a go at someone because they've walked across stage to give it to you during rehearsal it's not the actual thing when it's the actual thing i i fully understand you having a go at them for walking across but when it's a piece of paper or something that yeah it's going to be slightly annoying that um someone walks behind you whilst you're acting but remember you must stay in the role (laughs) you can do that sometimes you can stay or what's going on behind you because what might be going on behind you with the rest of the group is none of your concern your concern is to remember that you remembered your lines yes uh but yeah i had so many like annoying times with certain groups of people and it wasn't that all the groups of people were i will point out some were i don't want to say yeah some were fair, fairly critical and really minor things that to be honest, I had a go at them for for the uh, just reason of they weren't writing it. <laughs> I am a person who doesn't like when a person has their own series and wants you to follow that series, but gate keeps that. Oh, you can't do that because it was done before. Talking of that, not giving names. That has literally happened last night. Right, there's a certain person, I'm not going to say their name, uh, that I've done a podcast on here with before. And recently, they had an argument with someone because the person thought they were going to do a series, um, but they didn't personally themselves want to do it, yet they duetted that person (laughs) and started the... Do you know what I mean? They gave the wrong signal. They didn't communicate with the person at all. Idea. They thought that was brilliant, but they couldn't continue the idea because said person didn't didn't want to actually be a part of a series. 
And that you know what the person's excuse was? Mm-hmm. I did it for. F- Oh. I, um, I, 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 uh, yeah. When I started off playing the master, I was, well, I'll say I was a little bit flat, but as when you listen through, there's like this more, de- there's like this more developed way as I play him, he's starting to sound more, more calm and in control. Because mm. the key of my master is that he's not supposed to be intimidating, as in yelling or showing off his strengths. It's the calmness with how he does it. One of our cast members, uh, when they read the script out of fun, yeah. said they loved how my master is not an actual villain of any story, but he's more of an anti-hero. I think that you also saw that in the script, he only goes after the bad people, not the good people. I see. I Yes. I've. That's what gave me a bit of a... Um, I feel like saying Robin Hood vibe to him. Mm-hmm. He's not really like the Robin Hood like hero hero, but he doesn't believe that the bad people should be able to get away with anything even if they even if they conceal it under a mask of being nice like the receptionist for example exactly bring those lines i just went like with a i could read one of it either way so maybe someone will read it find out Mm. i'll read it like a short one so, um, blah, 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 blah. I'm going through the script right now. Talking of the script, one of the things I loved was how you wrote death. Oh. Because I liked the, uh, that's, uh, you might, uh, I don't know if you'll realise, but how I tried to do, I kind of took inspiration from Lucifer. Ah. From the Lucifer series, because I thought of I've recently too- watched the last season. Tear Oh, don't, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me. I, I need to watch it. <laughs> but um, basically, I tried to take inspiration from that series. The way that Lucifer thinks of things. You know how in the Lucifer series, when they um go on about the devil all the time when he was the devil, uh, mm-hmm. going oh. Um, the devil made me do it and uh, Lucifer walks in and goes come on don't give me credit for everything that's the kind Very of vibe true. I got from um, your character of death that's why oh. when I was reading the last lines I was like oh my I, I so get like a Lucifer vibe from this like a person that is like a mini- kind of manipulative but not really it's just more like being brutally honest with someone yeah. Also, I found a line I really enjoyed. So, in a calming voice. I know everything about you, my dear. Every little secret and even tinier details. For example, I know that you secretly hate your husband, even though after 30 years, he's still madly in love with you. 
It would be a shame if you knew that throughout those 30 years, you've had a quite long line of lovers whose wedding proposals you've spurned over the years, as none of them could afford the comfortable lifestyle you've grown to with your husband. Now, you could let me pass, or I could tell your delightfully pleasant husband how loyal his wife really is. Is that where's the? I'm gonna find one of the lines that I really love. I'll oh. be right back because okay, I gotta... you find the line. I'll be right yeah, back. we'll do. Right. So where's the line that Death says that I I absolutely love? There's a couple of them, but there's one that really stood out. How mistaken you are. This war, after all, it's when I most... Yes, that was my favourite bit. Uh, and... I am back. Welcome back. Right, I found them. Uh, it's the very last one, he says, where he goes, Oh, how mistaken you are. This is war, after all. It's when I am most needed because <laughs> when i wrote death i was thinking of the performance from master because mm. death is slightly an evil character and i think that that's how death should be shown because death is the end it's impartial to sides yeah so if you make death slightly evil there's no change it's death Exactly, it's, it's... And the way that my master just calmly handles death is like... Yeah. It, the thing that I like about how your master handles him is it's like, because the master's like everyone else and Gallifrey, like an immortal, is acceptant of death, but knows that their time is not yet. So it's like talking to... Uh, how would I put it? It's like talking, right? It's like, you know how a lot of people in life long for a partner, yeah? Well, it's yeah. like talking to that partner knowing you can never have them. Yes. That is what, that's what I see death as to the master. An impossibility that they accept can happen, but just hasn't happened. Yeah. What else would another line? The line I really loved that I wrote for Death was, "It Death just went still. You delivered your victory. I doubted you could pull it off to turn a man from a certain point in their timeline into a desensitized psychopath. To then lead him to his untimely demise is no easy task. And, I, and then I just thought, let's give a Derek Jacobi reply. And I just do this. Child's play, really. Now, time to fulfill your end of the bargain. Your wish is granted. And then disappears. Yeah, I absolutely love the one, though, that you were saying about victory, because I was like, oh, my, it's, this, this, is, this is good stuff. Yeah. 
I I would I won't say that I'm a good writer because I'm very judge of my own work. Mm. I mostly look at negatives until until they're finished and writing scripts is very fun because then you because you know how the characters will sound at some point. Mm-hmm. Even though I still hear Derek Jacobi's voice every time I read my master lines, it's so. uh, yeah, yeah, but it's like I, as I said, I still I can relate to that as well with uh, things like uh, writing Michelle's character um, for the My Missy series, uh, writing uh, the Doctor in the original uh, side of my Doctor Who. Of like the series one to seven. Oh, but that's funny though, in a sense because I'll be like reading some of the lines, and then the voice actor, because um, mm-hmm. he sounds so typical, I end up just doing his voice sometimes. <laughs> oh, come along, Jess. Come along, James. It's not that bad. Yeah. No, I think that there will the one difference that you could see with my incarnation of the doctor, the cyber war doctor, is that he doesn't instantly go to forego his title of the doctor. He's like, I'm not the doctor anymore or something. He accepts that even in the time of war, a healer is still needed, even if that healer has to fight. Mm. That's why my incarnation of the Doctor doesn't wear any like ti- time war or any kind of war attire. He's just wearing a normal red velvet coat, a black hoodie, a red shirt, and black pants. With And that's all. Talking of stuff, there is a very pinnacle difference between Phoenix on TikTok, who is a funny drunk that can sometimes be dark. Wait, and... speaking... What is up with the puppet? I don't know what's going on with the puppet. <laughs> uh, do you mean the the bird I have? Yes. Uh, I was well. Uh, at one point, I made a bit of a joke in the storyline of Phoenix and said that he got turned into a bird. <laughs> and then I, and then at the end of that um, story arc, I turned him back into a human. <laughs> But no, what right, to explain what happened with that one, we were in a group, um, they were all talking one day and said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we, like, started a call with a bunch of puppets? So I got a puppet and went, okay. <laughs> and I, I jumped onto one of the calls one day and the puppet was just there talking to them. Oh, uh, see. Uh, but, oh, yeah, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, um... Yeah, but uh, as I was saying, there's a very pinnacle difference between Phoenix and the Doctor I play in my audio series. And the difference is the Doctor in my audio series is a lot like one of the Unbound Doctors. He will not turn away from genocide. He blew a hole. Um, he, right, a bit like in Jed's uh, series that I'm in as well, he blew up a hole... Centauran uh, Legion to make a point to like not be crossed. Yeah. 
Uh, and I might have to end this now because my phone is really low on charge. But I, uh, I see. I don't want to be rude. Sorry, just oh, don't worry yeah. about it. Um, I enjoy being on podcast. Uh, it's it's always good to have you though, because as I said, I like having these conversations. Yeah, I'm a, as as many of my friends call it an old fashioned view on the world, and I quite agree with that at some points. But um, I try to be a realist, not a not a person who sits in social media all the time. I I can fully um, relate to that as well. It's like when I was on holiday, I do not like to be on my phone. It's like even when I'm out for days. The thing is, when I was really young, I to it, and then I, as I got older, I realized it's really just a pain and a nuisance, especially when you're on a bus and you're like, yeah, I like listening to music, but if I can't listen to it and keep it in my bag, I will have to like constantly worry about getting off a bus and putting it in the bag and having to sort everything about, even though I know I've already got to worry about the bus pass. <laughs> True. Mm. So, yeah. uh... before I go, uh, this is a small announcement. Um, yep. Because Gallifrey Cyber Wars Volume One. Yep. Will wrap up in December. In December, Cyber War Audios is unfreezed. Because until December, as I'm aware, most of people have school and college and work and will not always have time for everything. I myself going to school will not have time for this as this is a very important year for me. So until December, I'll put a hold on everything. I'll occasionally send scripts just to already have the voices. So when I start in December, I already have the voices ready. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that as well, because I need some time before I can start writing again due to uh, me being in college and doing painting and decorating and also now getting ready to hopefully have a job to start going to. Yeah. I'm surprised that I pulled this off with Cyber War Audios because in April we're all going to, we're going to celebrate the anniversary of already being a, a production that's been going on for a year. Because most fan-made audio dramas, they just post everything on Instagram. Oh, coming soon, this coming soon. And then nothing comes. With us, the difference is that we fulfill. We fulfill. Yeah. Mm. I, when I was creating Cyber War Audios, firstly, we didn't know how to call it. At first, it was just called the Cyber War Master YouTube account. Uh. But then I'm thinking, well, let's call let's call it Cyber War Audios. I created the co- I created the main cover, which is visible on our YouTube, and well, I really enjoy doing this work because it also it keeps me out of the well. To be honest, it's the world we're living in right now, mm. it's not going in a good direction. So at least acting allows us all and work to escape it. I can completely agree with that. And also what I was going to bring up is 
I do agree with you. It's, it is a bit mad how it's now Cyber War Audios because, as you said, I do remember back when it was it was just the Cyber War Master. And if you told me back then that we would be doing this now, I would not believe you. Well, throughout the whole year, almost the whole year since... Oh, since April, we've already produced 12 episodes. Mm. So that is something. Yeah. And just the sheer beauty of how many people are involved with this. At the beginning, there were just two cast members when we started off. Mm. I did most of the other voices, and Alex... Did his doctor and um, Gorjemnar, who, well, I'll be honest, he dislikes that character very much. So when I ask him to play Gorjemnar, he goes, didn't you kill him? I said, yes, but this is in the past. And he just goes, oh. And then when, and when everything just... Cyber War Audios will finish at some point. We will stop producing. Because it'll start that for that by in the next two years, Gallifrey Cyber Wars will end. The Cyber War Master will end in what? Also in also in a five years at most, because there's seven series altogether for him. They've been planned in the past. Hmm. Then there are the five series of the Cyber War Doctor. The never-ending scrapped uh, Dark Doctor Adventures, which as long as someone else writes for, for the Dark Doctor, at least we get some stories with him. Then we finish off the Gallifrey before the Cyber Wars, like Gallifrey Inauguration. The next episode, by the way, is called Gallifrey Assassination. Oh. Which dwells further into the past, before Galadon was president, and before Kerala was lady president. This is, this is the Galadon to... Reassemble itself after what the master did, after destroying mm. it in the timeless child. Because the best way is that Gallifrey inauguration is explained by Gallifrey, the mysterious world of the Time Lords, which in mysterious and unexplainable ways returned after two destructions. Yep. Because I don't want to. When you go into the Cyber War Audios canon, we there's no actual time point of yeah. when the Dark Doctor appears and the Cyber War Doctor and mm-hmm. also the Forgotten Doctor that is right after my Doctor. And um, no one knows where they appear. So we're like unbound? And somehow also bound. We're not in the main universe, but we stra- but we're very close to it. I understand what you mean. You're a bit like uh, how would I put it? A bit like I would describe it a bit like Doctor Who comics. How there's like multiple stories, and they are canon, or like some of it's like what you would consider canon, but in reality, 
it's all down to the the you uh the fans the uh, version and the readers version of what they class as canon and what they class as not canon. I think that the Missy comics are canon. Mm. I mean the outfit they the animators gave her for the doctor were like uh-huh this is canon. I, no I, one else no one else will wear a hat with a duck on it. Exactly. You cannot tell me that the duck costume is not canon. It's going like I'm Doctor Who and then it just pushed into your face with that big question mark on her dress. <laughs> And what is the best way to show that you're a space hobo? Have a duck on your hat. Is it just me or, like, if they'd actually started an episode off without the Doctor anywhere near and Missy had come on the screen and just gone, I'm the Doctor, everyone would be like, we accept this now, this is funny. Yeah. I don't like the view of people saying, oh, you don't like Jodie Whittaker because she's female. No, no. That's, that's rubbish. No, this is... Jodie Whittaker is a good actress. She's a good actress. But the writing just... she's given... No, it's just... Is what Ian McKellen's character in Vicious would call bollocks at this point. <laughs> yes. I say the problem is, it's like I started to figure out the problem even at the very start of her series. Right, some of the writing was very political. Some of the writing was very childish. If you put political and childish Mm. together, what do you get? The British government. Exactly. (laughs) I I love that answer. The British government. Yes, pretty much Boris Johnson's hair. And uh, I think I'm going to have to end on that note because my phone's at yeah. 20%. But thank you so much. You're for, welcome. Uh, for coming along again. Uh, this has been Fires of the Living Light. And I'll see you the next podcast. And don't forget before I go, check out Cyber War Audios. Yes. See, this is Simon Gashalka signing off. Signing off.